So uh, the Lord really instructed me, uh, I guess a couple months ago, that the rest of the year to do communion or the Lord's table, uh, the first Sunday of every month. Uh, we used to do that way back in the A-frame until it got to be a ritual. And uh, communion's never meant to be a ritual. If you take it and you're just doing it out of habit, there's no power in it. As a matter of fact, I think it becomes dangerous. Um, so because, you know, if you're not understanding the Lord's body, if you're not understanding the cup, then it can become uh, dangerous to you because it just becomes a, uh, just another religious exercise. And so one of the things we're trying to do here on Sunday morning is we're looking at the real God versus the religious God. And so I want to tell you today that the real God keeps covenant. The real God keeps covenant. Now, the religious one that they have made up, you know, and I, I know sometimes, you know, this may, this may sound harsh, but sometimes in today of modern Christianity, they have raised an idol. They've made God into something that he's not. He wouldn't even reconcile, he wouldn't recognize himself, in, you know, in the mirror by the way some people talk about who he is and what he does. But the God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament is your God. The God of the old covenant, the God of the new covenant, that's your God. Amen. And he still does the same things that he's always been doing. Amen. He's not different. If you can, sh you can see what he did in the Exodus, you can see what he did in the book of Acts, you can see that's the God you serve. But it's really not up to him. It's what you believe about him. It's what, you, what your faith can receive from him. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's done everything he's going to do about your salvation. He's done everything he's going to do about your healing. He's done everything he's going to do about your prosperity. He's done everything he's going to do about your peace. He is seated, and now he's waiting on you to receive the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He made his move. Now it's up to us to make our move. And I'm telling you, he's a real God. And I believe he's coming for a glorious church. And if he's coming for a glorious church, that means he's coming for the, where the church is experiencing the power of God like never before. It says the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. So what they had in the book of Acts is supposed to be a taste of what the fullness is right now. Amen. And so God, uh, so since he's coming for a glorious church, then we have to understand what he's doing and what he wants. But I'm here to tell you today that God, the real God, is a covenant-keeping God. Amen. And so uh, the reason that he made covenant, the reason that's so important to you is this. Number one, that there is a destroyer. There has been a destroyer since the Garden of Eden. And there will be a destroyer until he's locked up forever in hell. And all of us are going to look at him and go, is that the one? You know, there's a lot of times people, as they understand that there is an enemy, they almost give him too much respect. Let me tell you this before we get started. Colossians 2.15 says, having spoiled principalities and powers, Jesus made a show of him, the devil, openly triumphing over him in it. In it is what? His death on the cross. Amen. He went into hell. On the third day, it was enough. He got up and he got you up with him. And he took his blood and he put it on the mercy seat. And then he sat down forever because it was finished. It was accomplished. Having spoiled principalities and powers. How I many you know the devil's spoiled? Everything the devil's done, Jesus has defeated it. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Come on, y'all. We're going to have fireworks tomorrow. Let's might, might as well have a few in here this morning and tonight. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, this is the time to be rowdy for God. This is a time to be excited about God. This is a time that you got to let your praise be known. This is a time that you got to lift up your voice. Because if not, you're going to get lost in the muck and the mire and all the confusion that's going on in this world. Come on, it's time for him to lift us up. And so in order to lift us up, we got to lift him up. Amen. Hallelujah. So there is an enemy, but he's been defeated. Now, we got to understand this. So there's two thoughts on this in the church world. Either everything that happens is God, and they talk about, um, you know, well, I just believe. Well, anytime anyone starts out with I just believe, they always get me a little scared. Because really what you ought to say, the word says. (laughs) That's really, as a believer, that's the only place you can put your belief. Well, I have a right. No, you don't. Not as a Christian. Well, I have a right to believe. No, you don't. Anybody that ever told you that was wrong, you don't have a right to believe what you want to believe. Well, there's many ways to interpret the Bible. Again, wrong. Do we all understand it all? I don't. Am I gaining revelation? I am. I know more today than I did 32 years ago. Bless those people's heart when they first came to to the storefront. And put up with me for a while till I got my feet under me. I love them. Hallelujah. Amen. Some people have tried to get me to listen to those old tapes. No thanks. Anyway, so I'll listen to Brother Hagin's old stuff. He seemed to have it together a long time. But, you know, for me, it took me a minute or two. I mean, but my, my point is this. Um, it, y'all, I just so much want you to get everything that God has for you. And so the church can be in the ditch on two sides. Either number one, God is sovereign. He is sovereign. But they mean, well, whatever will be, will be. I just believe that whatever happens is meant to happen. That's baloney. There's, if that's the case, there's no need to pray. If, the, if that's the case, there's no need to confess the word. If that's the case, that we can't change anything here on the earth, we can't change our circumstances, really then there's no reason for us to assemble. There is a reason for us to assemble. We do have to serve a living God. He does answer prayer. He does move on our praise. Hallelujah. He does respond to us when we respond to him. Amen. Amen. Or the other side of the ditch is, uh, you know, well, you know, the devil does everything. (laughs) And we're all in trouble and we might as well give up. So that's not true either. We 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 have a victor. His name is Jesus. And he destroyed the works of the devil. Amen. But I, and partaking of um, the Lord's table today, communion today, um, I want to start by reminding you of something. Because it will help you help others. But number one, John 10 and 10. If you go to church here at Cornerstone any length of time, you're going to hear this scripture a lot. Because it's so many people don't get this. And if you don't get this John 10, 10, it's going to mess you up. Because if you grew up in church where God does everything and whatever happens is just meant to happen, then you have a skewed version of the gospel. You have a skewed version of God and you can't be victorious. So number one, Jesus Jesus said this. Everybody say, Jesus said. And, And Jesus is the word. And Jesus is always right. And Jesus will fix messed up theology. Amen. He doesn't have a doctorate. He just is the word. 
and he's always right. And he said, the thief. Who's the thief? Well, that's the devil. He comes not but to steal. So anything that steals from you, where does it come from? I know 90% of you know this, but in case someone's tuned in for this church first time, let's help them. If anything, absolutely anything steals from you, it always comes from, that's too simplistic, Pastor Mark. It's not too simplistic. Jesus said it. So the devil does what? He steals. So anytime something is killed, whether it's a person, a dream, a relationship, Who's the killer of all things? The devil. Now, then what does it say? Or destroy. So when a tornado comes, it's an act of God, right? It's an act of the God of this world, but it's not an act of your God. Yeah, Pastor Mark, and this came up in my heart, and I need to answer somebody today. But in the Old Testament, well, what about the Old Testament? Well, it says God did. And you're gonna, I'm going to read some things and say it, God did. But really in the Old Covenant, how I many you know sin has always called out for judgment. Do you still know that it still does? It still calls out for judgment. That's Romans. That's New Testament. That's epistle. The Bible says, even looking at communion, if you don't judge yourself, you will be judged. So, what, But this is a gift. What? It's a gift. If you don't judge yourself, you will be judged. So... That you're not, he's he talking to, believers, so that you're not condemned with the world. It's a gift. No, it's a gift. God's going overboard to try to protect you, save you, cause you to be with him. But in the old covenant, God did allow. But what really, if you've got to trace it back though, what caused it? Their sin. When Israel was disobedient, why did the serpents come in? Because God sent them? No, because they sinned. And so it's almost more like this. They sinned. God was watching over them. They sinned. It caused them to remove his hand. And there always has been a destroyer here since the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were to replenish, take dominion. Did you know that God even said, I'm getting off a little bit, but somebody needs to hear this because it'll answer some questions. Maybe that if one person has this question, it'll set you free because they say, well, well you know, why, why was the devil here in the Garden of Eden? Well, the better question is, um, God had a plan and he sent Adam and Eve here and he gave them authority and dominion. And even he said over everything that creeps. So I always say it like this, God gives us dominion over all the creeps. Because creeps are usually motivated by a spirit. So you have dominion over the spirit that motivates all the creeps around. Those creeps don't have to come near you. Adam and Eve were not powerless. You are not powerless. You have dominion. So even in the old covenant, sin is what caused the serpent to come in. God had to remove his hand because sin has to be judged. But even if that's not the case, it is. But even if that's not the case, you don't live in the old covenant. And as a believer, Jesus took all of your punishment. No, everything that mankind did was placed on him. 
He is the Lamb of God. He is the one. He, he who knew no sin became sin. He didn't just become sin. He took all the judgment of sin so that you don't have to. So you live in a new and better covenant. Amen? But number one, there always has been a destroyer. And Jesus was acquainted with him, knew him, because remember he said, I was there when he fell like lightning. <laughs> oh, and he'll be there when they throw him in the pit, the devil in the pit. You'll be there too. And you'll be like, why didn't I take more authority over that? Why did I let him mess with my, is that it? Oh, don't talk like that. The devil, you'll make the devil mad at you. He's already mad at me. And if he's not mad at you, I worry about you. It means you walk too much with him. Um, the thief comes but not to, but what does he do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, though, I've come that you might have zoe. The God kind and quality of life, and that you'd have it more abundantly. Psalm 17, 3 through 4 says, uh, the, the psalmist said, Thou hast proved my heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. You have tried me, and you'll find nothing. I am purpose that my mouth shall not transgress. Grass. Concerning the works of men, by the words of thy lips, I have kept me, what I want you to see, from the path of the destroyer. So there's a path of the destroyer and the path of the righteous. You choose what path you want. And one of the things that will keep you off the path of destroy is the words of your mouth. So says the word of God. That's not my subject today. I just want you to see there is a destroyer. And he is the devil. And he always has destroyed. He always will destroy. That's what he does. There's a path of destruction. And we need to keep off it. There's another narrow road. That's the Lord's road. And that's the ro road you and I want to be on. Your mouth usually chooses which one you're on. And then in 1 Corinthians 10 and 10, it talks about how you get on the path of the destroyer. Or you uh, stay off of that path. It says, neither murmur as some of them also murmured. And we're destroyed of the destroyer. It's interesting that murmuring and complaining lines you up with destruction. And there, you can't turn on, uh, you can't, social media, the news, uh, people around you, everybody has an opinion today. But if you'll investigate their opinion, it's complain, complain, complain. It's murmur, murmur murmur and it leads to destruction 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 y'all good you understand it? what puts you on the path of the destroyer murmuring and complaining why is God trying to get you and I to rejoice he's trying to protect your tongue He's trying to protect your mouth so he can get you what he needs. God cannot move in murmuring and complaining who moves in murmuring and complaining the destroyer so, you know, uh, one of the things, um, you know, she's not in here. Pastor Rhonda's over uh, today's next steps, and so we have new members going through today. I remember when the church was really small, um, we were, uh, I, think, I, I think she put up with it while we were in the storefront because we were newly married. But when we got to the A-frame, she started putting her foot down a little bit with me. Um, and, I, again, I was just learning some things. But I remember when the church was starting. Um, I, we, as soon as we get in the car, I would start saying, well, I wonder where so, because when you got 20 people, you know everybody there, you know, and, and, and so I would begin um, every Sunday, 
every Sunday. Well, I wonder where so-and-so was. I hope they're okay. I wonder, and really what I was saying, man, you know, I wish they'd been, I don't understand why they weren't at church. So I would, I would list everybody. And finally one day, she got mad about it. Not mad. She's just trying to help me out. So the Lord must have given her a, a nifty idea. She said, before you tell me who's gone, I, you need to, you have to tell me everybody who was there. Tell me everybody was there, and then I'll listen to who wasn't. But you know what? Because it kept growing and growing, I quit. And just rejoiced about who was there, knowing the others would be back and bring their friends. But it is so human nature to have this piece of paper, like Pastor Rhonda does in one of her classes. She puts an ink. Now, if I ruin, if I, well, if you go to Bible Institute, just pretend like you never heard this. So there's a white piece of paper, but there's an ink spot. Human tendency is, tell me about this paper. There's an ink spot. Well, why not say there's 98% of a good piece of paper? We're, we're drawn to what's wrong. And so withdrawn to what's wrong, we complain. And when you complain and murmur, you know, um, the children of Israel, aren't, are you glad you live in the new covenant? Because the children of Israel, the Lord said, they have now complained this 10 times. I'm done. I have known people that complain 10 times before breakfast is over. Aren't you glad we live in a new and better covenant? Now, but do we, but does, what does complaining do? Well, it'll mess you up and it'll put you on the wrong path. So what do you got to do? You got to train your mouth to rejoice. You got to train your mouth to give thanks. You need to have somebody around you who'll say, quit that. Give them permission to tell you, uh, you know, after I've complained three times, but if you've been walking with the Lord one time, one time should be enough. But if you're new, we'll give you two or three. But, but honestly... What are people complaining about? Well, you can't complain about high prices and believe my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm moving. Exodus 12, 23. For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood upon the lintel on the two sides of the post, the Lord will pass over the door. And he will not, he will not suffer the destroyer. To come into your house to smite you. He will not suffer the destroyer. There is the destroyer. You used to serve him. No, I never served him. Well, there's either two fathers. You're either born again and your father is Father God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or Jesus told the religious people, you're of your father, the devil. There's two fathers. You got to pick one. So on the planet today, there's not, I know there's many cultures, many nationalities, many groups of people, but just simplify it. There's two families. Pick one. So I've decided, is that all right? Well, it's the truth whether it's all right or not. And if you start looking at it that way, you won't play, you won't play into their mess. You won't play into the destroyer's mess. It's identification of who you really are. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. I have a covenant. The real God, I have a covenant. I'm in covenant. Everything the Lord has is mine. I'm in covenant. Hallelujah. So what does this destroyer do? What does the devil do? He always destroys. But we have a promise. 2 Timothy 4.18. 2 Timothy. So anytime the devil shows up, this is your promise. 
And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Now, you got to know, because, I, I, and I know most of you have been here a while, but in case somebody's new, listen to me. It is very important you know what comes from God and what comes from the devil. So I, I, I'm not going to just say, because I've been teaching this a long time. I know it, but I've known it for a lot of years, but you may be learning it. You've got to understand that everything good comes down from the Father of light with whom there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. Everything evil comes from the devil. Well, sometimes the Lord, uh, you know, sends, you know, he'll send you some sickness to slow you down. Well, if that's true, believe for double cancer in both lungs. You'll get really slowed. Pastor Mark, don't make light of that. Well, I'm making, I'm said it that, that strong to tell you that no sickness ever comes from God. Why? Because Jesus took it. Well, I just believe the Lord. I remember when I was a little boy. Some of you are tired of hearing this story, but it made such an impression on me. When I was a little boy, I was in church, and the Sunday school superintendent, uh, this lady, we had a pastor, but she really was in charge of the church. And so um, she, anything that went on, she did it or didn't do it. She, she, was, she was in charge. Anyway, and so I remember one time, I'll never forget the longest day I lived. She got up, and she came up with a full cast on her leg. And people were like, what happened? What happened? Because, you know, she's the most important woman in the church. And that she said, well, the Lord broke my leg. He, and I remember this as a little boy. The Lord broke my leg because he he'd been dealing with me to slow down. And I just couldn't do it, wouldn't do it. So he broke my leg. And I remember the thought I had. I remember the thought I had. What a mean God. What a mean God. Breaking people's legs. Most people's theology, if God really did that, he'd get thrown in prison. Child abuser. That's not who he is. I'm glad I found out way different. You got to get that fixed. You got to get that clear. Because see, if you don't know what comes from God and the devil, if the devil sends something, you'll just receive it. You won't resist it. Oh my, I'm not getting where I need to get, but I'll just tell you some of you that are newer. Listen, I remember um, when I first started pastoring, you know, and I preached in the word. And I'd have people come to me, and really when you got 30 or 40 people, you get to hear everything about them. And so I had this one person tell me one time, and it really disturbed me. They said, well, Pastor Mark, before I was coming to Cornerstone, I don't feel like I had any problems in the world. But when I started coming here, suddenly I feel like I got all kinds of problems. I'm like, what? Well, well, I feel like I'm more sick than I used to be. Or I feel like, you know, I, I, um, you know, maybe I'm having more financial trouble. And they were really being sincere. And I was really upset. It's like, well, you know, that's the exact opposite of what I've been preaching. What's going on? And so I asked the Holy Ghost. I said, what is the deal with this person? And he said this to me. They never realized they weren't supposed to be sick. So now they, they used to just take it, and it never meant anything to them. They'd use all their sick days plus any extra anybody would give them. But now you're teaching them to resist that. And so now every time it comes, they're aware of it, where before they just laid down and took it. Now when they can't pay their bills, they know better than that. They know that God meets all their needs. And so when there's a, a lack that comes up, they're aware of it. They never used to be aware of it. So it's like, okay. So then I, you know, then I was like, all right, now I can help somebody. But it is the truth. I tell this story. I remember buying, um, um, we bought a Nissan uh, uh, off of Don uh, Cruise. And um, 
it's suddenly the next day I noticed everybody in Huntsville was driving a Nissan. They copied me. The next day, everybody went and got one. They went and got a, I, I named it. His name was, it was a boy. His name was Max. We always name our stuff. And I noticed that everybody had a Max. But you know, that's not true. It's just what I was aware of. So the devil has never changed. But let me tell you, friend, God has never changed either. And his promise to you is, I will deliver you from every evil work. 2 Corinthians 1 and 10 says, who delivered us from so great a death. He does what? He delivers. And, and does deliver. And we will trust that he will yet deliver us. So he has delivered us. He is delivering us. And he will always deliver us. How many times can you count on the deliverance of God? Every time. Colossians 1.13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us to the kingdom of his dear son. He didn't just deliver us from the devil. He delivered us out of his kingdom. I've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness. I've been translated into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son. And then this one, Psalms 91. You all know this, but I, I, I want to I get it to you. I want you to listen. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. What I got to do, I got to say. He is my refuge. Everybody say, God is my refuge and God is my fortress. In him will I trust. Say, I trust you, Lord. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall, that you shall trust. His truth shall be a shield and a buckler. You will not be afraid. Everybody say, I'm not afraid. Of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. Or the pestilence. Everybody say, I'm not afraid. Of pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand shall fall at my side. Ten thousand at my, my right hand. Everybody say, a thousand may fall at my side. 10,000 at my right hand say, but it will not approach me or my family. Ooh, hallelujah. Only with my eyes shall I behold and see the reward or the recompense of the wicked because I have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, my habitation. There shall be no evil, no evil, no evil. Who brings evil? The devil. There shall be no evil. No evil befall me. Now, you can't control everybody around you, but you can control what happens to you. There shall be no evil befall me, neither any plague come. Uh-oh. No plague. Y'all still believing for no plagues? No plague come nigh my dwelling, for he will give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. They shall bear me up in their hands, lest I dash a foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon you shall trample under feet. Because he has set his love on me. Do y'all love the Lord? Have you set your love on him? Are you looking up? Amen. Therefore I will. So when I set my love on him. This is what I know. He has delivered me. He does deliver me. He'll always deliver me. My eyes are on him. My eyes, my affections are on him. 
I love him. He loves me. But it's not enough that he loves you. Listen to me. It is not enough to know he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Not enough to get saved. It's not enough. You have to reciprocate. That's his end. You've got to respond. In order for somebody to be saved, they've got to respond to his love. In order for somebody to be delivered, you've got to respond to his love and set your love on him. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver. I'm the one setting my love on him. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Do Do you know his name? Everybody shout Jesus. Hallelujah. He shall call on me. I will answer him. Come on, you got to pray. I'll call on him and he'll answer. Come on, God's not silent. He's answering. I will be with him in trouble. And not just be with us. Thank God he's with us. What he said, I will deliver him. Come on, I will deliver him. Say, God, I know you will deliver me. You will. Deliver me because you have delivered, you do deliver, and you will always deliver. Woo, hallelujah. So the destroyer can do whatever he wants to do. But a thousand may fall on my side, 10,000 on my right hand, but it does not have to approach me. I set my love on him, and he's going to deliver me. Hallelujah. I will deliver him and honor him. That's talking about us. He's going to honor us. And then this last one, with long life. I just went this week to, uh, uh, for my, go- my Aunt Norma's going home. She was 97, passed to, to be with the Lord. She lived a great life. I picked up something. My sister, I think, is the one that pointed it out to me. I never realized she did it. I think she started doing it in her 70s, maybe her 80s. But uh, when my Aunt Norma was 80, she was, her job was taking care of old people. Literally, that was her job. She had one client that was in his 70s, and she was in her 80s, and she took care of him. Hallelujah. But this is what she always do. We always, and it became a thing with her, how old, how old are you? So if she's 80, she says, I will be 81. I will be. She always said it that way, I will be. And I don't even know if she purposely did it. Uh, you know, she went to a, a faith church, uh, so I, I kind of think she did. When she turned 81, the next day, how old are you? I will be. I will be. And even, I think, when she was 95 and they had a party for her, how old are you going to be? Next year, I will be 96. And then just really re- recently up to, I mean, I think we got up to, I, whether she was 95, 96, or 97, but it wasn't just the last two weeks that she just said, I'm ready to go be with Jesus. She didn't want to be nothing next year, just with Jesus. And so she went, hallelujah. But isn't that awesome? Everybody say, I will be. With long life, he will satisfy you, right? Right? Hallelujah. Or if someone asks you how old you are, just say, none of your business. I don't know. (laughs) Exodus chapter 3. Old enough to know better and young enough to keep on living. Hallelujah. All right, Exodus, Exodus 310. Can you guys put up the Amplified Classic for me? So in the Old Covenant, the Lord sent a deliverer. 
Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. He's talking about Moses. That you may bring forth my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So remember, they called. So he's a covenant-keeping God. How did Moses get there? How did Moses get there? Remember, the children of Israel, always getting into backslidden, always messing up. So here, Joseph saved them alive. Now they're in Egypt. They're under Pharaoh's rule. They're, they're uh, uh, bricklayers. They're slaves, midwives. Um, they're in bondage. They have their own land in Goshen. But it got too much, this new Pharaoh, too much. So they begin to call on the Lord. They begin to remember. Everybody say, remember. Because, see, you get into a place, and then you begin to remember. There was a man we call the prodigal son. He was feeding pigs and almost ate some pig food, and he began to remember his dad. He began to remember the goodness of his father, and he came to himself. The children of Israel were living in sin and bondage, and it was really hard. And they, began, they came to themselves, and what did they do? They called on the God of, and this is how they did it, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What is that? That's covenant. They reminded God of his covenant. Well, what is he? He's a covenant-keeping God. And so Moses and Aaron were a response to a covenant cry. Amen. And they had a good covenant. In that covenant was wealth. In that covenant was healing. Because remember, the woman bent over uh, 18 years with a spirit of infirmity. And Jesus said, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, be loosed? So the old covenant, you know, people, you know, oh, that's new te- newfangled teaching you all do about healing and, and God wants you blessed. It's not newfangled. It's, 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 it's been a covenant. He's God. He's the same God. He's the same. Ought not that woman, a daughter of Abraham, be loosed? Well, how, how, how much more? How much more a child of God, a, an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ, a born-again one, be loosed from their spirit of infirmity? We don't have a worser covenant. We have a new and better covenant. And so here they cried out. Now, aren't, I'm so glad that Moses came and he delivered them. Remember, the Lord had them do so much. But all of the plagues and all of that deliverance, and they came out with silver and gold, none sick or feeble among them, all started because of a covenant cry. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God did, and he sent a deliverer. Well, that was great, but it wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. And it reminds me of Job. Remember when Job was going through it. Uh, he, he, and this was even before the covenant. But he, he had enough sense to say this. I have no daysman. What is a daysman? That's King James. It says I have no go-between. I need somebody to put their hand on you and put their hand on me. Well, that's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. He, he, he is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. He is the one who has made a covenant. His blood was so precious that, that and, and no covenant was made. Even Abraham's covenant was made by blood. And so uh, even at the very beginning, uh, Adam and Eve, the first thing God did was even, even after their big mess up, you know, he put skins on them. What do you got to do? Well, you got to kill an animal for that. So there was shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But listen to me. Your sins are not just covered anymore. Your sins are removed. Because we have a new and a better covenant. 
established on better promises. Well, look at, let's look at this it's just real quick. So uh, I want to remind you of who Jesus is. So we'll look at prophesying forward, Isaiah 42. Y'all prepare your hearts to receive today. So what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a covenant, but we're talking about a God who delivers people who are in his covenant. Isaiah 42, verse 6. says, And I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold your hand, and will keep you, and give you, talking about Jesus, and give you for a covenant of the people, for the light of the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. What is that? Captivity, captivity. Your eyes are blind. Uh, I believe that's spiritual there. Um, and you're in a prison house. You sit in darkness, but you're going to get out of the prison house. God is a deliverer. He has delivered. He does deliver. He'll always, well, Pastor Mark, I don't know that I need deliverance. Well, if you got a sickness in your body, you can say you need delivered from sickness and disease, and he has delivered you. If you're having trouble in your finances, well, Jesus became poor that you could become rich. So you, yes, you need deliverance in your finances. I got trouble in my marriage. Oh, Lord Jesus, he, he can, that's a big one. No, it's not a big one. He can deliver the problems so that you can have what he promises you in the word. I, I, I'm in fear. Well, you can get delivered from that fear. Sp- fear can be a spirit. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but he's giving you power and love and a sound mind. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. So you can get delivered from some. I got delivered from the kingdom of darkness, but I got translated to the kingdom of light. I got delivered out of sin into righteousness. I got delivered from sickness and disease into health. I got delivered from poverty into wealth. I got delivered from fear into peace. I've I've been redeemed from something to something. Amen. And so Jesus said that, and then, uh, and then he, then in Luke chapter four, Luke chapter four, he boldly announced what he's come to do. And Luke chapter 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He, he came to bring jubilee every day. No longer a 50-year occur- occurrence. It became an everyday thing. What does that mean? Well, Jubilee, anytime you, had, uh, the, the, you, know, you had to sell off something or you lost something or you had to, your, your children went into captivity, every 50 years they would blow the trumpet and they would shout, Jubilee, Jubilee. And then someone would show up to somebody's house and say, this was my house, get out. Those are my kids, I get them back. Whatever happened, that's what Jubilee meant. Anything that was gone or taken from you, you got it back. Well, Jesus is saying you can have it back every day. I've come to preach to you the acceptable year of the Lord. So don't you let the devil steal from you anytime. Don't let him steal the day. But if he has, believe God for him to restore it. I believe what, uh, you know, the, the minor prophet said. He said that God will restore to you, you the years that the locusts, the palmer worms, them canker, all them nasty worms has eaten from you. I don't know how God restores years. I just believe he does it. Amen. I'm owed a few. I've had some people steal from me. Some years of my life and I'm getting them back. I'm just as serious as I can be. 
Some way I feel like the last couple years the devil tried to steal. But we can get it back. He'll restore. And when God restores, he does exceeding abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. I just think we ought to hold on because I think some big stuff is on the way. If I know, I know him. I know him. I know what he does. I, I believe some big stuff is on the way. So what is, so we have a covenant. A real God keeps covenant. Jesus made a covenant for us. And, and, and so really, uh, uh, as we partake today, I want it to be a celebration. I want you to remember, because uh, even Exodus chapter 12, verse 26 and 27, before Jesus came, after they were all delivered, this is what the Word of God says, Exodus 12, 26 and 27. And it shall come to pass when your children say to you, why are we doing this? Exodus 12, 26. And it shall come to pass when your children say unto you, What mean ye by this service? Exodus 12, 26. Are y'all listening? They may not be able to get it. Exodus 12, 26. And it shall come to pass when your children say unto you, Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? That you shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt. So what are they saying? So the next generation, remember I've been talking to you, we talked about from generation to generation. It's every generation's responsibility to get to the next generation what the Word of God says. Not only your children, but the next generation. It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptian and delivered our houses. This is about deliverance. He delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. So what they probably did was they recounted to the next generation all the time what God did for them when they were in Egypt. We were slaves. We had no rights. We had no privileges. We had hard taskmasters. We called upon the Lord. Remember uh, to the God. And, and we asked him to remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he sent us Moses. And man, you should have seen it. We were living in Goshen, and there were flies everywhere else, but there was none in our food. We had a picnic outside while there was all swarming, all flies were everywhere. And frogs, my goodness, the frog. Have you ever had a frog in your commode before at your house? That is the weirdest thing. It just happened at ours. It's awful. Yeah. And I used to play with frogs when I was a little boy, but that's a weird thing. But I, I was just thinking about that. Man, frogs everywhere. Frogs in your bed. And that one, remember the Pharaoh said, just give us one more night. Why would you want one more night with the frogs? He said, he said well, give, us, give me one more day. Give me one more night. Why would you? They're everywhere. Everywhere. Cute, but cute far away. Can you imagine? They were recounting what everything God did. Man, one time, one of those places, it hailed so hard, it killed things. But in Goshen, where we lived, there wasn't any. And it was a weird kind of hail. There was fire in it. Never seen anything like it before in my life. Man, in that day, the Lord told us to have a cookout. We all got a lamb and all of us at the same time 
had a cookout together. And then we went in our house and we got our shoes on. We got our traveling clothes on. We got a staff in our hand because we knew that tomorrow the Lord was going to deliver us. And right before we went, he told us to go to the Egyptian master's house and tell them we were leaving. And you won't believe it. The silver I used to polish, they gave it all to me. They emptied their, their wardrobes and they gave me it. Everything they could think of, they gave it to us and told us to leave. And on the next morning, we went out with silver and gold. And you know what happened? Nobody was sick. See, if you make it more real and you pass it along. And then they said, you're not going to believe this. We thought we were done for. And we came up to the Red Sea. And suddenly they took the Ark of the Covenant. They, they, the, the power of God came and we walked across and we saw fish on one side and fish on the other side. And just as we all got across, here came the Egyptian army and we thought they were going to get us again. But suddenly they were all drowned. Man, God, the God we serve, he's a deliverer. Now let's partake of this and let's remember him. Then for you and me, there was a day and there was an hour when mankind was lost and without hope. And suddenly a star was shining and a virgin had come and she had come in contact with an angel. And a Holy Ghost had come upon her. And she conceived a child. And they named him Jesus. And he grew up. And, and, and he began to study and find himself in the word of God. And he was about his father's business. And then John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And, and he said, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the Bible says that this same Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He, he taught the word of God. He talked about his father. He pointed us to the father. And, 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 and he healed the sick. And he raised the dead. And he multiplied the bread and the loaves. And he talked to storms. And he talked to trees. And then one day, it was a dark day, we thought it was all over, when he got up on the cross and they crucified him. But three days later, just like he said, <laughs> three days later, just like he said, he got up out of the grave. And there was a, a lady named Mary <laughs> who said, uh, she saw him. And he put his blood on the mercy seat. And he is who he says that he is. He did what he said he was going to do. And he made a covenant. And we need to remember it. And he still delivers. He still heals. He still, he still saves. He still blesses. He still does miracles. He still heals the same so we're going to celebrate what Jesus did